the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No book on earth is deeper and richer than the Bible, and few passages of Scripture go deeper than the book of Romans. Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. You'll hear verse-by-verse preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. Open your Bibles with us to Romans and listen in to part one of this message as we learn together from God's Word. We are going to do something amazing today. Uh, We are going to finish Romans chapter 11 today. Like four of you are excited and the rest of you couldn't care less. But I'm excited about it. And so why am I excited about it? Because it has been the most thrilling and intellectually challenging passage of Scripture. This this division, which is the fourth division in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 make up the fourth division. They deal mostly with what we call dispensational matters or how God deals with the nation of Israel on this earth. And we've certainly learned a lot of application to our lives through this wonderful passage of Scripture. A quick background so that we get the full concept of today's message is this, that there were some saying that God had rejected the nation of Israel and Israelites to the point where they could not come to Christ, to the point where they could not be saved. And Paul is articulating in this book through the guidance and inspiration, inspiration means God breathed, God literally told Paul what to write down, through the, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is articulating that God has not rejected them. So I want to give you the full scope of this really quickly, but it's beneficial incredibly beneficial for us if we would take a moment and just do a a brief review. And I want you to look over in chapter 10, verse number 9 real quick. And I want you to notice the clarity of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the message of Jesus Christ. And verses 9 through verse number uh, 17 talk about the clarity of the gospel. And 9 and 10 talk about the gospel simplicity. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me clearly. You might have gone to some kind of church that tells you to do all kinds of things and you don't know how it is to have a rel- or how to have a relationship with Christ. So you been trying to be good and go to confession and give money and be nice to the homeless guy down the street and and do the best that you possibly can. All that's good. You should try that. But none of that is the gospel. None of that is the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is found in verse number nine. And it's super, listen to me, it's incredibly simple that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Look at somebody and say, I can know I'm saved. Come on. My wife was the loudest one in the room. Look at somebody and say, I can know I'm saved. If you're saved, look at somebody and say, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved. Let me tell you, salvation is not cheap, but it is simple. Here's the gospel. Are you ready? Here's the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner. Everybody say I'm a sinner. 
Yeah, you're a sinner, just like me. We're all sinners. And because we're sinners, we need a savior. Jesus is the savior of mankind. Somebody say Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the savior of mankind. And anyone who will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone will have salvation. Well, how do you do it? Well, it's super simple. Understand Romans chapter 10, verse number nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, or admit and believe and admit or believe and confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God, believe and confess that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for your sin, believe and confess that three days after he died on the cross of Calvary, he rose from the grave, verifying your salvation. If you believe Jesus is the son of God, he died on the cross of Calvary for your sin and he rose from the grave and you put all of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, not in your works, not going to confession, not praying the rosary, not going on a mission trip, not burning incense at an altar, not worshiping at the temple of Jade in Thailand, but Jesus Jesus Christ alone, if you will believe in Jesus Christ alone as the means of your salvation and confess that, the Bible says, listen, you will be gloriously saved. It's simple. You don't even have to wait till the end of the service. You can pray and ask Jesus Christ into your heart right here, right now. You say, while you're talking, while I'm talking. People think about other things all the time when I'm preaching. You can certainly ask Jesus into your heart. The people that just laughed were like, oh yeah, that's me. The gospel is simple. Here's the thing. You might say, well, God wouldn't save me. No, the gospel is available. Verse number 11, the Bible says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. It says in verse number 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever means anyone. You say, well, God wouldn't save me. No, you're part of anyone. The gospel is available. And the gospel is supposed to be shared, verses 14 to 17. The Bible says, how shall they call on him, verse 14, of whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Uh, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So then faith, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody's got to tell you about the gospel. I'm glad June 16th, 1983, Port Orchard, Washington. As a 10-year-old little boy, uh, I bowed my knee or bowed my head on my knees and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to be your savior, my savior. Why did I do that? Because somebody shared the good news with me. The gospel is simple, the gospel is available, and the gospel is to be propagated or the gospel is supposed to be told. And so we see the clarity of the gospel. Then we see in chapter 10, verses 18 to 21, the result of the nation of Israel is rejected. The nation of Israel as a nation did not like hearing the gospel. And so we saw in verse number 18, where the Bible says, have they not all heard? Verse chapter 10. Yes, verily, or truly they've heard. Their sound went to all the world and their words into the end of the world. Israel is guilty. If you hear the gospel, which you just heard, and you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, then you are responsible for that decision. I'm responsible, and everybody who stands up and claims to be a preacher of the gospel, or a preacher of the Bible, or a pastor of the church is responsible to share the gospel. Not everyone does. We, that's a sad reality. But I'm responsible to share the gospel. I've kept my end of the bargain. 
You're responsible or have a responsibility to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you reject Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, which you can certainly do, you then become guilty or responsible of knowing the truth, hearing the truth, and walking away from the truth. So because Israel, and here's chapter 10, verse 18, because Israel heard the truth and walked away, they were guilty, and verses 19 to 20, the message went to the Gentiles. But we understand that even though the message went to the Gentiles or the non-Jews, verse number 21 of chapter 10, that God is still speaking to Israel even in their rebellion. That just because somebody walks away from the Lord never means the Lord walks away from them. You might walk away from Jesus, but Jesus ain't walking away from you. He's not a, he, 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 he's not a fair-weather friend. He's not walking away. And then we see we come to chapter 11. I just want to give you that background, chapter 10. So the simplicity of the gospel, and there's a responsibility to accept the gospel. And if you don't, you're guilty, but God's not walking away. He's still making overtures of grace. He still wants you to be saved. And then we come to chapter 11, and here's the, the we have one point, one main point in chapter 11, a few subpoints, several subpoints. And chapter 11 really talks about this, the reality of God's continued appeal. God is continually appealing to the nation of Israel, pleading with them to come to him. And, and we actually gave it this take-home truth. Uh, God continually proves himself to the point where unbelief is unreasonable. God proves himself to the point where unbelief is unreasonable. I want to tell you very candidly today, if you're here and say, I don't know if there's a God. There is a God. I don't know if he loves me. He loves you. I don't know if he'd have a relationship with me. He died to have a relationship with you. And he proves himself to the point where unbelief is unreasonable or not accepting Christ is unreasonable. Uh, every once in a while, Christians will get accused of, uh, will be accused by, by people in maybe the media or academia or being simplistic and, and not being deep thinkers. I'm going to tell you, there's no deeper thought than God. I'm going to tell you, th- there's no more complex uh, idea or ideal in the world than the wonderful Savior named Jesus Christ. And the Bible speaks in such a way of the Lord that unbelief becomes unreasonable. Well, where does it become unreasonable? Well, we see it in our text. We see several testimonies. We see Paul's testimony to the nation of Israel. Israel, you don't believe, and it's unreasonable unreasonable for you not to believe based on Paul's testimony. Paul says, God's still working on the Israelites because I'm an Israelite and I got saved. And then Paul talks about Elijah's testimony in verses 2 through verse number 5. Elijah's the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, arguably. And, and Elijah does an amazing work for God. And, and God illustrates that he's still working on the nation of Israel through Elijah's testimony. And then God tells us there are believers who are still faithful in verse number five. And then in verse number uh, nine and 10, we hear about David, King David's testimony. And then we hear about the Gentiles testimony. And, and then the patriarchs testimony, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God sanctifies. When God sanctifies the part, the first part, he sanctifies the whole. And God sanctified Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of Israel. And he is sanctifying or setting apart the nation of Israel or the the Jewish people. And let me be super candid with you today. Jewish people, Jewish people are special to Jesus. And let me say that again. Jewish people are special to Jesus. And in a world that is attacking and in a world that is maligning and in a world that is mocking and, and, and trying, wanting to erase them off the face of the earth. When Jesus is on your side, you're going to win. 
All the armies of the world will march one day on the nation of Israel and God will descend from heaven with the word of his mouth, with nothing other than the word of his mouth. And he will destroy the armies of the world, literally with the word of his mouth. When I was a young man, I wanted to fight in the battle of Armageddon. I wanted to be there. I had an old preacher tell me, son, all you get to do is ride a horse. I'm like, I don't like horses. I like motorcycles. And I want to ride in a motorcycle and I want to destroy them. I want to be part of the fight. There will be no fight. It will be all the world against Israel and Jesus will tag in. Going to be the greatest tag team tag in the history of professional Armageddoning. And Jesus is going to walk up and he's literally, it's just going to be a mic drop moment. I don't know what he's going to say because the Bible doesn't say it, but he's literally just going to speak and all the armies of the world will be defeated that quickly. You talk, you talk, you talk about the lone superpower in the universe. That's Jesus. Yep, he loves the nation of Israel, for sure. If you like what you've heard so far, check out CanyonRidgeRadio.com. You can see videos and listen to hundreds of Bible messages that will help you in your walk with the Lord. You can also send a message to me and Pastor Chadwick. Check us out at CanyonRidgeRadio.com. Now, back to the message in progress. If you are going to ask, if you are... As we, as we conclude this, this chapter, and Paul has been making these arguments, and, uh, and by arguments, I don't mean he's, he's arguing back and forth. He's just making a, a case, if you will, with Paul's testimony and David's testimony and Elijah and the patriarchs and the Gentiles and all of that. If you're making a case in court, you're normally going to save your best witness for last. Your best witness for last. And if you're going to court, you want a witness. And, and I was just thinking this week of some character qualities you want in a witness. You want a witness with a good reputation. I've been asked to write reference letters for people and to, to talk to judges over the years and who had, had the privilege or opportunity of doing that over the years. You, you want somebody with a good reputation if they're going to be your witness. You want a person with above average knowledge of the subject in question if they're going to be your witness. You don't want just any Joe Schmo that can come in and talk for two or three minutes and, and his knowledge is exhausted. You want somebody who's really, really knowledgeable in, in that. Like you would not ask me to be a witness, uh, if you were arguing, um, maybe for some medical procedure should or should not have been done. I would not be worth the time of hearing me. I just would not be worth the time. You'd want somebody who is quite knowledgeable. You would want somebody who was articulate about the subject. Somebody could have a ton of knowledge and not be very articulate about the subject. I had a friend who was a great scientist, but he couldn't be used in court. They tried to use him in court a few times. They couldn't be used in court because he was very poor at communication and he was more confusing uh, in speaking than had he never spoke at all. And so he was a he was not a good witness. He was great in the field of science. He was great in his field, but he just was not a good witness. And you would want somebody who was familiar enough to answer the questions about the case. And the more familiar they are, the better. 
It's not long ago, it was a while ago, it was several years ago, about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, I was uh, on jury duty, and I got called to be a part of a civilian, a civil case, and the civil case was, it was really kind of frustrating because it was one wealthy person suing another wealthy person, go figure, and they were suing, the, the plaintiff, or the person bringing the case, was suing a window manufacturer because this person spent a million and a half dollars on windows, <laughs> eight years on windows, just on windows for their house. And they were dissatisfied with their windows. And uh, to which all of us on the jury understood what that was like, million and a half dollars on windows, not happy. You're going to sue. I mean, we've all done that, right? Yeah. Like, all of us on the jury were like, I think my windows were $7. Matter of fact, sometimes I've used cardboard for a window, but Nonetheless, we tried to do our job. And uh, the, the plaintiff, the person bringing the case, uh, presented first. And honestly, when they were done with their case, I didn't know what the defendants were going to say. But I thought, unless they really botch this, I'm going for the plaintiff or for the defendant. Because I didn't like the plaintiff. I mean, I already, the lady just irritated me. It was a courtroom and she had more makeup than everyone combined in there. And she had hideous perfume that she stole from my grandmother who died in 1972. And it was just like, oh my word, I'm just going. Her case was whack, which is youth lingo for had no bearing at all. It was just ridiculous. And so we're just sitting there waiting for this to be over. And I think all of us, we're obviously not talking about it, but I think all of us were on the same page. And then the expert witness got up for the defendant and, and began to give his credentials and they were vast and good and wonderful and, and questions were asked and we were like, oh, slam dunk case for the defendant. I mean, slam dunk. This will be over in no time. And then the, def- the plaintiff's attorney gets up and starts asking questions. And the questions went something like this. Uh, Sir, did you look at the plaintiff's windows. Sure did. Yes, I did. Yep, I saw them. Sir, did you inspect the plaintiff's windows? Nope, I did not inspect the plaintiff's windows. And I remember this question like it was yesterday. How did you look at the windows, because you're an expert, and not inspect the windows? Now my interest is peaked, because now I'm thinking like, oh, no. This case is going to go on for a while longer. How did you look at the windows and not inspect them? And here were, here was the expert witness's response. I drove by. And the plaintiff's attorney goes, wait, you just drove by? Yep. I drove, I got the address, I drove by. He goes, did you get out of the car and walk up and look at them? No, I was busy. I drove by. I could tell they were properly installed as I drove by which meant it became a slam dunk case for the plaintiff and they won something like $287,312.04. And I was the jury foreman and I had to tell the judge. Who you have as a witness really matters. And Paul saves his best witness for last. Who is Paul's best witness? Paul's best witness, verse 25 to verse number 36, is God. And this is a common theme of Paul. You ever heard the phrase? It's an idiomatic phrase, meaning just part of our speech. God is my witness. It means what I'm saying to you is absolutely true. And this is a common theme of Paul. 
We read about it in 2 Corinthians 11, 11, where it says, God knoweth. In Romans 1, 9, God is my witness. In Romans 9, 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. In Philippians 1, 8, for God is my record. And this final section in Romans 11, this glorious final section in Romans 11, helps us to understand that God is the witness of his love for the nation of Israel and is he, and his love for us. And God desires that we are knowledgeable of a few things. And I want you to notice in verse number 25, first point this morning, God wants us to understand. The Bible is not an esoteric truth or some privately held truth that only a few people should understand. No, God wants you and I to understand. The Bible says here in verse number 25, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. We, we, God wants us to understand how he works and how he moves in regards to the nation of Israel. God wants us to understand that the nation of Israel is, is his special people and that there is a, a mystery. And God says here, or the Bible says here in verse 20, I would not have you to be ignorant. The word ignorant just means to be uh, unacquainted with, to be ignorant of. I don't want you ignorant. Now you can have willful ignorance and unwillful ignorance. Like there's things that you don't know that you don't know. That is unwillful ignorance. I don't know what I don't know. And then there are things that I know I don't know and I don't care that I don't know. Like, like, like unwillful ignorance is just all of us are ignorant about certain things. But willful ignorance, it's not even a problem. We just have to pick and choose what we learn in life. Like I am willfully ignorant about Star Wars. Meaning I don't know about Star Wars. Listen to what I'm about to say. And I don't want to know about Star Wars. Can I get an amen by God's people? All seven of us. I've never watched a Star Wars movie. I've never played with a Star Wars toy other than one time in my life as a little kid. I wanted to see how long it'd take me to melt it. And that was about it. I've never watched Empire Strikes Back or I was going to say Raiders of the Lost Ark or any of those nerdy movies. I'm just willfully ignorant. Now, some of you are like, oh, I've got Star Wars sheets. To you, we have counseling. John Scheifus, the guy who plays the guitar, our media director here, um, he wrote actually that illustration. I was like, John, I need some help with this. He goes, oh, let's do Star Wars. I said, why? He said, because you know nothing about it. And I lived most of my life thinking I was Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. <laughs> it wasn't too long ago that we were just sitting around talking and he just out of nowhere looked at me and goes, Pastor, I am your father. He's one of those guys that quotes movie lines. You're my father. My mom's older than yours. This is weird. You're a freak show, dude. What is wrong with you? And that's how people are, you know? I, I'm willfully ignorant. Nothing wrong with Star I mean, there's a ton wrong with Star Wars. But from a biblical perspective, I'll, I'll save that message for tonight. Be back when Bernie preaches. I'll be in the outside talking about Star Wars. But there's things I'm willfully ignorant of. And Paul says right here, I don't want you to be willfully ignorant of this mystery. I don't want you to be ignorant. Well, what's the mystery? He's referring back to Romans chapter 11, verse number seven of Israel as a nation in this temporary state where they don't know about Christ and there is a blindness 
on them and, and they, they, they are hardened. They cannot see Christ for who he is as a collective whole. Not again, not as individual. If you're here and you're Jewish today, let me tell you, Jesus Christ wants to save you and he loves you and you understand that and you get that and, and, and he loves you. But as a nation, there is a, an overarching blindness. And notice what the text says um, at the end of verse number 25, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. You say, well, what is the fullness of the Gentiles become in mean. It means until God fulfills his purpose of bringing Gentiles into his kingdom. In other words, we could say this, there are a certain number of Gentiles or non-Jews that will be saved and then the blinding of Israel will be removed. Now, I believe this. I'm not alone with, in my belief based on the scripture. And, and, and that is this, that God is going to save the nation of Israel as a whole. And we believe, I'll probably say this again in the message, that that will happen after the rapture of the church is out. And when the Jews see that Jesus truly is the Messiah, and as a nation, probably not every single person, but as a nation, by and large, every Jew will turn their hearts and minds and lives over to Jesus Christ. And what a glorious day that will be. And Paul says, I want you to know this lest you be wise in your own conceit. I don't want you to come to a flawed conclusion that God was through with the nation of Israel and become arrogant and self-promoting in your flawed conclusion. Now, I would not have you to be ignorant. Let me just stop and give an aside and say, God doesn't want any believer to be ignorant. The Bible commands pastors to study to show themselves to approve unto God, a, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have a responsibility as pastors. We have a, we have a, a high calling as pastors to, to clearly and, 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 and carefully delineate and preach and teach what the word of God says and what the word of God means and how it can be applied to our life in this day and age. It's our responsibility, but, but brothers and sisters in Christ, you have that same responsibility in your own personal heart and mind. If you wait to hear from God at church on Sunday and you don't have a private worship in your own heart, in your own mind during the week, there's a problem. You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Tune in next week as Pastor Chadwick continues this powerful series of messages from Romans. Speaking of, if you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian, the Bible, and how to go to heaven, We invite you to visit CanyonRidgeRadio.com for more information. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement to you. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m. at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, pastor, or how to know Jesus as your Savior, visit our website at canyonridgeradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.